Welcome to the Yours in Marketing podcast. Hey, it's Blake here. If this is the first time that you're joining us on the Yours in Marketing podcast, do me a favor. Please go wherever you get your podcast, doesn't matter where, and please review, rate, subscribe to the podcast right now. Well, or after the episode, whichever works for you. We're really looking for your support so that we can build this and make it even more valuable for you. So please rate, review, and subscribe the Yours in Marketing podcast. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. This week on the Yours in Marketing podcast, I was able to speak with Tamara Kitich Yadavoy, who is the Senior Digital Marketing Manager at Meltwater. And she's originally from Serbia, now lives in San Francisco in the United States. We were able to talk a little bit about that story and how that all came to be. Very interesting story. But here are a couple things that you're going to learn from this. It's a really interesting podcast. She's very lively. We talk first and foremost about how college athletics prepared her for a career in marketing, which is a fascinating story. And then secondly, how sales and marketing can align to achieve success in a business. This one's loaded with a lot of sales and marketing together. I really encourage you, if you are a marketer, pay attention to those sales points that you can improve upon and vice versa for salespeople. And without further ado, let's just get right into the interview with Tamara Kidich Yadavoy. So today on the Yours in Marketing podcast, I'm here with Tamara Kidich Yadavoy, who is the digital Senior Digital Marketing Manager at Meltwater in San Francisco. Tamara, how are you doing today? Doing really well. How are you, Blake? I am fantastic. And I know, so we were just talking and you are about to take a trip to Serbia, which is where you're originally from. I would love to just kind of start there and talk about coming from Serbia to then you go to the University of Wyoming to get your degree in marketing. So I I would love to talk about how that (laughs) happened and we can just kind of dissect that first. Yeah, sure. I thank you for for asking and I, I would be happy to share. So I was born and raised in Serbia. I actually started playing volleyball very early in my life. I'm coming from a very athletic family. So it was mm-hmm. kind of, you know, expected <laughs> that you play some kind of sports. Uh, so I, I picked volleyball in that essence, and I believe great. And then from there, my parents were very encouraging to just, hey, don't give up. That's the one thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I learned over and over again. And the second thing is like, whatever you do, just try to do your best. And somehow magically, you know, uh, throughout the years, I was selected a few times as a volleyball player, like uh, for the national Serbian team, which was super cool. And then from there, not sure what age that is, but in Serbia, when you finish elementary, you go to high school. So Mm -hmm. my eighth grade, which is, you know, wrapping elementary, we had recruiters for volleyball, you know, knocking on our doors. And I remember one day, you know, recruiter coming in and my mom is like, oh, yeah, let me welcome you for lunch. And they were like, we would love to have your daughter in Belgrade, which is the capital of Serbia. And I live in a small uh-huh. niche. And they basically said, my mom is like, oh my God, that's like so exciting. Well, you know, when would you like her for like college time, la la la. And the coaches or the critics would say, well, essentially in two weeks, we would like her to move. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Then like my high school majority was uh, in Belgrade, uh, uh, accomplished great things with club there. We were like top 16 teams in Europe. And then I pushed volleyball and pushed school. They were kind of parallel in my life. 
And then college came by, and that's when I had a decision to make, you know, between playing pro volleyball in Europe, going to med school in Serbia. I really wanted to be a doctor at first. And um, the last option was, which is the the craziest one, right? Move to States, play um, NCAA college ball, and Mm -hmm. get a degree in, well, whatever was allowed at the time. So then, you know, I spoke no English 10 years ago. So this conversation would definitely not happen (laughs) between us today. (laughs) So, you know, I I learned um, language and started junior college and then got recruited to University of Wyoming. And then I had to make a choice, like, what do you want to study? Um, And that's where the marketing or business came into play. So what what were some similarities between Wyoming and Serbia? Because both are very cold places. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there are actually no similarities whatsoever you know it was a cultural shock for sure I had some advisors tell me you know Tamara this is like country and have cowgirls and Uh cowboys and like cowboys in in a real like sense of boots and buckles uh, bell buckles and like hats and people being like polite and there's that code of conduct that they have like a West code of conduct, I believe it's mm-hmm. called. I mean, it's, it was just an amazing time. I still looking back, I, I'm, I cherish every day that I spend there. The school is amazing. Business program is super strong. It's one university in our uh, state. So all the funding goes into it. Mm-hmm. And on the volleyball side, it was the Mountain West Conference, which is very strong mm-hmm. when it comes to volleyball competition. So that kind of attracted me to, to go towards Wyoming. That's funny. So I, I uh, grew up in Utah, which is oh, wow. all, all pretty close to Wyoming. And I, I grew up a BYU fan. So I'm sure that you played BYU oh, a, a bunch oh of times. <laughs> I should actually, after this call, I should send you my stats for BYU <laughs> game. It was one of the best games I had. I think I had this hitting procedures. Zero point six hundred, which is phenomenal, mm. and it, it was you know it was rough playing in Utah, but one of the best games I ever had was actually uh, against BYU. That's so funny. BYU is typically a pretty strong volleyball school, so that's yes. that's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, small world. So I guess my next question was going to be if there was ever anything else other than marketing that you would want to do for a career, but clearly it was to be a professional volleyball player. That seemed like a logical place that you could have gone. (laughs) So why did you choose not to do that and instead to go toward the marketing way? So first, like I mentioned earlier, I I really wanted to be a doctor, like probably uh, in a coming in a way for like athletic injuries, Mm -hmm. that type of doctor. And then when you're a student athlete in the United States, which is something that I had to learn, pulling school with volleyball is incredibly hard. Sure. It's probably the hardest thing I ever had to do. So when I, you know, my coach approached me and asked me, well, Tamara, what, what would you like to study? And I go, well, I would like to be a doctor. And she just laughed at me. <laughs> like, there is no way. Like, what's your second wish? And I go, what do you mean second wish? This is my first wish. Why can't I, you know, be this way? And then you have a certain GPA, which needs to be like a above 3.5 mm-hmm. and we were as a team had to have very strong a uh, GPA and typically volleyball at University of Wyoming had or held the strongest GPA per athletics department so it was very important to my coach that that continues mm-hmm. so then second wish was business and then you remember the story of me not knowing the language I had two options between management and marketing and believe it or not, I, I met with so many advisors and teachers to understand the difference between two. But I think just words were not 
really, it's like, wait, what's management? What do you really do there? And what, what options do I have in marketing? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after talking to so many people, just to gain understanding, what can I really do once I graduate with this degree? Yeah. I, I, I kind of picked marketing. That's interesting. So after, after university, what's kind of your first step into your marketing yeah. career? Great question. One of the, the, the you know, this is kind of like luck, I guess. I moved to Houston mm-hmm. and I I was looking for my very first job. And it's, you know, now looking back, it's so easy to, you know, fall behind, you know, mm-hmm. and not stay within the jobs that, you know, you got your degree in. So essentially, I was fortunate enough to to, to know what I want and to know what I don't want. Within marketing, I realized that there's like a lot of sales jobs. And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> you know, like sales, where is this coming from? I'm looking for marketing jobs, you know? And then digital marketing was kind of on a, started on that, like the trend started evolving. Um, right. Like Google and SEO and social and paid. And essentially my first stop was digital marketing agency. And that was a very strong digital marketing agency in Houston, super strong analytics, tracking and data, which right now it's basically a backbone of my entire career. But, mm. you know, as, as you start, you, you never know how it goes. But that, that, that first job really dictate how my career evolved and moving on. Definitely. I, I want to talk about your real estate venture in Serbia, because <laughs> when it, when you look at your, like, I'm sure people go look at your LinkedIn profile and they'll be like, wait a second, you were at university at the same time as this. So what was, yes. what was the timeline and how did you start a real estate thing in Serbia while you were in <laughs> Wyoming and you were learning about marketing and playing volleyball? Great question. So I'm, I'm actually so happy you're asking this because like when I reflect back on that time, I seriously didn't watch TV for like four or five years. Mm. Like right now, I don't even watch. But then you travel, you play, you, you know, my mentor is at five. I'm in the gym at eight. <laughs> and then at 12, I'm in classes. And until six, I'm doing homework. And then from six to like, I know eight, maybe I'm in Serbia doing online everything, mm. right? <laughs> Helping my family business. But um, essentially, my dad actually lost the job kind of on the same timeline when I moved to States. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of exploring what should I do, what should I do? And he decided to go with real estate as a one man company. You know, my dad doesn't up to this day know Excel and Word that, <laughs> you know, that much. Yeah. <laughs> my sister, who was still in town, she helped uh, with all operational tasks. And I took that arm of marketing because I just started studying at the school mm-hmm. and social started, it's like 2010. 10, I believe, you know, social, like you already knew social. So you started building a brand on social and then we needed a website. So I'm like, okay, well, how do I go about this website? And then at the same time, you know, I have a class on website development course and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then I'm like strategy, what strategy, you know, how do I position this company? Like what, what, what's going to be our tagline? Mm-hmm. And as I'm basically studying, I am using my dad's business to craft my skills, you know, sure. so that that worked really well because typically, you know, you just books are books, but you need that hands on to tinker and play and explore. And for me, that was like a safe place because my dad didn't know any better. So there is no harm I can do. 
I can just make it, you know, succeed and grow and you learn a lot from my own mistakes. So from there, you kind of, you move around the U.S. a little bit, Houston, San Diego, Mm -hmm. you're in San Francisco now, uh, coming from Serbia. So you've done a little bit of moving, needless to say. (laughs) I'm just curious, like, now that you're at Meltwater, you're the senior senior digital marketing manager there. What's your role currently? What are the goals that you're working towards there? And how is it different than where you've been in the past? Oh, a great question. Well, currently, let me just give you a background or to, to your listeners uh, sure. what Meltwater does. Meltwater is a global media intelligence company that has over 30,000 clients worldwide and 55 offices. So we are basically, you know, global company with local support, I would say. And at Maltwater, in my current role, I basically oversee uh, all growth and digital marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. So that gives me uh, a room to be playful. We have a very strong team. You know, we are such a global company, but we are lean and mean, I would say, yeah. and almost run like a mini startup. Uh, I have an amazing uh, leadership team above me who I can rely on, uh, you know, on any business and strategy uh, decisions that I have to personally make. So it's it's just an amazing uh, environment to be in as of right now. When this compares to my previous um, gigs, I would say, (laughs) you know, I I touched on a lot of things, as you mentioned, as I was moving. So I started a digital agency, then through real estate, I learned B2C. Then uh, I kind of learned a little bit of, I guess, how you could call it partnership and how to that side of the marketing can work, right? Even mm-hmm. through through real estate, because you have so many vendors you can work with. And then I transitioned after that to a, a cybersecurity company, which is then B2B, completely different than B2C. And then in that, uh, it was a startup. So I, I mean, it was an amazing thing for me from experience standpoint, because I was really understanding a lot of different channels of marketing that you can do. Like, there PR and there is like comps and internal, external. There is uh, events, you know, you can have global events, local events. And then digital marketing is a, its own little section. And then growth and lead generation, its own section. And enterprise, you know, can also be its own section. And then that partnership, uh, I guess, it's, an, it's another section that you can have. So I had a chance to touch on a lot of things. And essentially realized, you know, I'm really strong in, in digital and would love to stay within it. So when I moved to, to Meltwater, I was looking for a global company that will allow me to, you know, set the brand globally on the digital side, uh, create those necessary processes and be like lead generation machine, I would call it, right? Where talk to our sales department. Uh, we, we are very sales driven. So me being in this environment really, really helps me uh, from the digital marketing standpoint or demand generation standpoint to understand how are they operating? How are we generating business? What product yields the highest revenue and et cetera. So yeah, that's kind of how it shaped itself. But as a marketer, I'm still learning. I'm still developing. I'm just fortunate that I'm in such an environment that allows me to. Sure. Do you consider yourself to be more of a technical person or creative? I think as a as a marketer, you have to have both. I can be very nitty gritty when it comes to <laughs> technical, right? Like mm-hmm. tracking and analytics, maybe on a technical side, you know, SEO, you can be very technical. Sure. Uh, you know, you can know HTML or you can learn Python, right? If you want to optimize further something. Mm-hmm. 
But on the creative side, in order for your targeting to work and your campaign to work, you really have to have a good eye on, you know, uh, if something is centered and understanding, okay, if I'm targeting female or male, predominantly whoever your persona is, what age range would that person be in my graphics, right? So that they can really relate on the creative side to what I'm trying to (laughs) communicate here. So I really think it's a fine mix of both, really knowing both, like how to execute video nowadays. Video is so big. So you need to have that creative side to put the story together and then communicate that via video or images, etc. Is is there one in particular of those that you feel like you were more naturally born with and one that maybe you've had to work at more? Uh, naturally born, I would say creative, probably naturally born. Technical, I had to acquire those skills and, and learn. I think data came with digital uh, and I was always like a nerd for tracking and analytics because it came from that agency experience, right? I, I Really early in my career, I learned that if you don't have tracking and your analytics is not strong, like there is there's no way for you to be a successful marketer, right? Because if you can't analyze what you're putting up and you can't track your contribution, then there's no marketing altogether. So yeah, I think, you know, once was naturally, once I had to really just, you know, learn as I went through. I want to I want to go into marketing and sales alignment and really dive mm-hmm. into that as our main topic here. Yeah. Starting starting with this uh, because marketing and sales teams usually the way that it's set up right now, at least in the United States, is most of the time they're totally separate. They're separate categories. You've yeah. got your marketing team, you've got your sales team. They both kind of know that the other exists, but they don't talk to each other very much, or you know, yeah. but they should. But they're usually they're trying to achieve the exact same goal, which is let's get more customers for the company. Yeah. But yet there, there's kind of this there's this gulf between them. And I'm just wondering, why do you think that this has become the norm that marketing and sales is so separated? You know, that that's actually that's a very good question. Let's just start. Why that became a norm? I think in, in most of the cases, you know, it's almost like um I don't want to say it starts with the leadership, I guess. That will be the first uh, thing I would like to point out. Uh, if leadership of marketing and sales are not aligned or, you know, not in a very good standing <laughs> um, between the departments, that can really reflect on everything else and how it's tripped down through departments. So maybe that that would be one, two. You know, I don't think that, sales ever understands what marketing truly does. So there is that gap of education Mm -hmm. uh, that needs to be filled in, uh, you know, what really marketing does, you know, besides good graphics, you know, (laughs) I don't know what they think um, mainly, but that's a good starting point. And then marketing really has to understand sales really well. And I think there is a gap there, like a learning curve how complex the sales job and stressful can it be and, uh, you know, what marketers can do to not waste sales time because, you know, for them, time is money and, you know, they're not differently compensated. They have different structure. So, so if both teams, I think, understood what one or the other did, it would would help. But that's certainly not the case in a lot of companies and other industries. I think that's lack of education and um, alignment that's truly missing. Yeah, it's just missing. Sure. 
But what in particular for you at Meltwater right now, what efforts are you making to align marketing and sales? This is a great question. So uh, first of all, let me just start that saying, I, I truly believe as a digital marketer or someone who is in a growth or demand gen position that you learn having that alignment between marketing and sales is actually the key driver in a successful customer acquisition strategy. Mm -hmm. That's number one. So if you start with that objective, then you have to kind of get yourself, okay, if this will really tremendously help me to be successful in my role, what can I do to really make that happen? So in my case is, you know, first and foremost is getting that buy-in from the leadership Mm -hmm. team, right? To both, let's say, I don't know, each company structure differently. So in our case, if we have a head of sales and head of marketing or VP of sales and VP of marketing, that there is some structure in place to keep each other accountable, which will force, you know, force that alignment. Mm -hmm. That will be number one. And then once we have that, I kind of have a rule of eight and I can, you know, run you through it on a really high level. Yeah. uh, If that's okay. Please do. Okay. So... (laughs) Uh, in my case, right, when, when I brainstorm how to accomplish this, my rule of eight starts with one. It's basically establishing guidelines for the lead qualification criteria. Then you have two where it's like creating a service level agreement to set expectations, which is typically like how should sales handle marketing leads once the leads come mm-hmm. in. Then we have number three or rule three, getting marketing team more involved in that sales process, which again, kind of, you know, answers that question, your question earlier is understanding what sales does and being educated so that we are not bothering them with like ebook downloads, Mm -hmm. you know, and wasting their time, which pisses them off. And then you have tracking marketing efforts based on contribution to revenue. So as you are aware, sales is very revenue driven. They care about, you know, revenue to begin with. So if marketing is positioned in that way and we talk to sales in, I guess, the way how they will communicate internally, you know, starting from revenue, like, hey, let's target this account because you have ARR or potential of this much, you know, and mm-hmm. they they understand where your head is at, right? That you're strategic, that you're not just like, going after everyone with some images or whatever. (laughs) And then we have, um, you know, making sure that lead enrichment process is adequate and optimized for both sales and marketing. I think this is like rule number six. Then nurturing the leads through the funnel and also, you know, educating sales what that process looks like. Then leveraging sales enabling tools because there's so many right now in, in, you know, in the marketplace. And then there is create a clean handoff of leads. And I would say the bonus one would be following up on those leads Mm -hmm. so that you showcase as a marketing team that you, one, care about what you're giving, the two, that you want your sales team to be successful, right? From a revenue standpoint, Mm -hmm. let's say like if you have a channel and then you have some average size deal being X, well, how does that compare to average size deal being Y? And how can you, you know, try to give them the higher average value deals coming from these different marketing channels? So then I think a lot of marketers are typically, you know, that's the big one that's missing. That That's a big piece, like follow up with sales on, you know, campaigns you put up. Mm-hmm. Like reach out via email, Slack, whatever works, and just generate that feedback for 
that you can really use for, for further optimization. I'm I'm curious to know, based off of that, I mean, you've obviously put a lot of thought into this and for your own team. <laughs> I'm curious to know because I had somebody else on the podcast recently who runs a growth department and there's there's no there's mm-hmm. no marketing department, there's no sales department. It's all under one umbrella. And for for his company, mm-hmm. that works. I'm curious to know what do you see as being challenges to that approach? What could be wrong with that? Uh, you know, I don't think there is a wrong approach on both sides. It really depends how the, the companies are structured, right? So we, we have a very strong sales team in here. So for us, having marketing on top of sales is just the approach that fits within the resources that we currently have in place. If you're maybe a startup world or something and building the company, you know, whatever really works for the company and structure tend to get that approach. So I think that's a there's no right and wrong answer here. Uh, it really just depends on what works for the company and what the goals are and objectives and growth mm-hmm. uh, and how you know resources within departments fit into that mix. I guess I would say. Got it. So typically, what we're what we will see is like a separate sales and marketing department, mm-hmm. not not necessarily one unified department like that. It that's true that like both both can work depending on the the company, but I would say. And maybe you, I don't know if you agree, but I would say that for the most part, most companies are kind of failing to align very well in sales and marketing. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yes. So what, how can we, for, for companies that are structured a certain way, they can't really change a whole lot, but what can change? Just minimal changes that we could recommend to those companies to say, here's, here's mm. how we can unite a little bit better between sales and marketing. Yeah, great. So the the first one I would say is bringing right, having right people in right positions for this, Mm. right? So when I was brought on board, it was very important to, I mean, I was interviewed by VP of sales. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And then it was very important to this organization that I understand sales really well. Even if you had experience in it, that's like a bonus point, right? And me coming from real estate, you know, real estate agents are sales, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) so then I, I really understood the, the priorities and how sales think. So again, it's all about the people that you put in place. And I think that's the easiest step if you want to bridge the gap. Uh, there needs to be a person on sales side who understands, you know, with some portion or not fully, but at least a little bit of marketing, mm-hmm. has understanding what marketing is capable and not capable of doing. And then the same thing has to come from marketing side. You need people in the leadership positions who understand how sales is operating. And then if there is a mutual understanding, in, in our case, right, we had a buying from both you know, departments, mm-hmm. knowing what the objective is and that we can be better, stronger than separated. In that case, uh, sometimes even if you have it, we don't have a buying those personalities of people like sales, knowing a little bit of marketing and marketing, know, knowing sales or maybe being previously in their shoes, kind of the bond can happen naturally just because people, you know, you have a critical thinking and you think as a maybe sales, like, okay, if I give this ebook to sales, what's the value that he or she can, what can they do with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you quickly realize not much because it's not like, lead that will yield any, you know, maybe meeting requests or demo and et cetera. So I think starting with people would be the, the, the easiest. I, 
if you would if you would indulge me, I kind of want to do a thought experiment here. It, it won't be too crazy. Yeah. Um, I just I have <laughs> I have a list of like four common problems that happen when there's misalignment between sales and marketing, and I'm I just yeah. want to go through these and kind of get your answer to them. Or I mean, feel free to think through it a little bit, but. I think that it could be really helpful. So does that sound good? Are yeah. we ready? Yeah. All right. So Should. Okay. So problem number one that's that's fairly common when there's misalignment between sales and marketing is that the sales team isn't doing anything with the leads that marketing sends them. So <laughs> what would be your solution as you laugh at that question? <laughs> yes. So uh, having a strong process in place in, in my rule book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that creating a service level agreement and setting expectations how marketing leads should be handled. So to give you an example, like once the lead is received, follow up if that, that is in the agreement or in a process within 24 hours. If the phone call comes in, follow up that day, you know, within work or business hours. So there, again, my answer would be creating the processes in place um, or agreement of some sort that both teams can be in favorable position mm-hmm. of so that you can solve that problem right away. And then always kind of look back, hey, we agreed to this. There is this service agreement we agreed back on and it should be followed. That's a very easy fix that can be implemented right away. Okay, number two here. If the marketing strategy does not align with the sales strategy, marketing strategy. Well, okay, that that brings a bigger picture. If they're not aligned, then there needs to be alignment, right? Because there needs to be a business strategy and why what makes sense as as like to achieve for the business. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of like the the, the the first tier. What is the business objective? Let's say, speaking of Meltwater, what are we trying to accomplish in the next three, five years as Meltwater team? Mm-hmm. And then that trickles down to like, okay, well, what is marketing trying to do? How are we going to get there? How is sales going to you know, do that? So I would say to fix that would be um, having a clear business objective where both marketing and sales can build strategy that align with business. Obviously, that can be optimized so that both teams work together on achieving their goals. But I think that 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 has to come from, I mean, leadership and, hey, well, this is not aligning with our business objective, right? Like you're way off. Um, Can we reevaluate? So that's how I see that being approached. Awesome. Number number three would be if communication is non-existent between them or if it's totally ineffective, how would you fix that? (laughs) Communication. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, find out what channels really work for sales team and what works really well for marketing team and try to find some balance between two. Like in our company, maybe we, marketing maybe likes structured meetings and maybe emails, but maybe on a sales side, sales like Slack. Mm. So how do we now, you know, how do we marry the two? Sure. And then finding a solution or something that's balanced that works for both teams that that we agree on and communicate more effectively. Final one here, number four would be uh, if both departments keep keep blaming each other for not hitting goals. (laughs) Uh, That's my favorite, pointing the fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So how do we go about uh, solving that? Oh, that's a tough one. That one I need to really think about. You know, that's 
you know, when, when things go sideways, it, that's, that's the normal thing, right? Marketing didn't give us X, uh, sales didn't follow up on our leads. Y, you know, I, I hate that scenario. But I would say always fall on uh, data. So whoever is making decision of who is right and wrong, follow on data. Did, uh, let's say in marketing example, did marketing do anything to, for example, give sales better quality or higher quality leads? If yes, then are those numbers reflective of that? Like average size deal uh, going up, for example. And do you have the data to make such, you know, uh, assumption that marketing was improving from, let's say, 2019, as an example, from January through, through October? So that would be one approach. And on the sales side, uh, let me think about that. On the sales side, if Dave would be to point fingers, let's say, or marketing to fall fingers on sales, right? Then I guess having a process in place uh, would be one, right? That, hey, we really wanted sales to uh, follow up in 24 hours and, uh, you know, on... Um, have this follow-up plan to be executed for this campaign, for example, right? Because we wanted more than one just touch because maybe it wasn't enough. So then, you know, then you showcase that you did your best in that case scenario to bridge the gap so that both teams are really successful. But again, you need to have something tangible, right? Like, hey, yeah, I understand what they're saying on both sides, marketing and sales, but either use a very data-driven approach, whereas marketing can showcase, we did everything we can to hit this objective or this goal. Mm-hmm. And then marketing can also maybe track like, okay, yes, we followed up marketing process of like lead follow-up. Here is this tool that allows you purge campaign that we did follow up one, two, three, four, as marketing process was telling us to do. It basically comes back to data analytics and almost tracking, right? So that you have a proof that both teams really did their their best to hit their objectives. And if that's not the case, I would say, you know, we're all learning. (laughs) So use that as a a learning and room for optimization. I would say <laughs> that's a that's a positive spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> I am a very positive person trying to, you yeah. know, always find the room. Hey, well, yes, that's negative, but look, it's so much <laughs> try harder next time. You I'm know? the same way. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There that ends the thought experiment. I think we got a lot of good nuggets out of that. I do have a question here that I'm I'm not sure there is a really a right answer to this, but I am curious. Do you think that the average marketer is better at selling or the average salesperson is better at marketing? Oh, um, good questions you got today. Uh, I would say it's really personal, you know. Uh, It really depends where you're dealing. So Tamara, I'm speaking of Mm -hmm. myself because I know myself really well. Um, I, I can sell not as well as doing marketing, but I know I'm capable of selling. Mm-hmm. I even had a challenge with, uh, you know, one of our VPs is saying, okay, well, you know what, let's do this. Put me against your top salesperson and let's see how we go about mm-hmm. this. And the goal is not to say, you know, marketing can sell or sales can do marketing and vice versa. It's more, let's learn how are we going to do this? You know, how sales does it and how would marketing really do it? So it's more like a cool experiment to run uh, and I'm always up for a challenge. So then it's important, right? Like sometimes marketing has to listen to sales and sales has to listen to marketing. And yeah, 
I would say it's personal. Sure. I, I feel confident selling and doing marketing, but you know, maybe there is a salesperson in this world who feels really confident doing marketing and doing sales. So it's a really personal and one-on-one basis, I would say. Well, well you, you personally, would you rather be the best salesperson in the world or the best marketer in the world? <sighs> personal question. Um, it really depends. You, you have different, I guess, goals as a marketer. Like as a marketing, you get to shape like maybe a brand of of the entire company, right? Mm-hmm. Or by having a strong revenue within marketing department or, you know, contributing that company revenue, a lot of people get to, you know, keep their jobs. So that's like satisfaction that you can get as a, as a marketer. On the sales, it's a completely different thing. It's more like if you're, you know, yeah, I just can't compare it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's like apples and oranges, I would say. So yeah, you have you just personally, however you align with your like maybe core competencies. Like uh, on the sales, uh, in both cases, I would try to be my best. Like I, I would try <laughs> whatever scenario you show me as an athlete, right? I would try my best to be the best salesperson I can, mm-hmm. and I would try to be the best marketer I can. Again, it just I don't have a preference. It's more like as a person, what what do you really are trying to achieve here? you know, throughout your career. Some people value having that quota of million dollars. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really, you know, do much for me. I understand the impacts business, but I, I can I can impact business from a marketing side as well. So Absolutely. It really depends. Do you think that along with that that idea of having like a growth department, do you think that marketers and salespeople should almost become one in their role like do you think do you think that marketers should really start learning sales skills and vice versa or do you think that it's better that they're specialized oh i mean there has to be some overlap and some understanding right like um yesterday i I spoke to with one of our um enterprise uh, reps you know i I basically quoted and said hey i'll be your robin you'll be your batman let's (laughs) get this book together That's an approach. Yep. And thankfully for Meltwater as a company, like our target audience are marketers. So we're in a very interesting environment where like if sales team was brought, bring market to negotiation table and say, okay, well, here's how our marketing team uses our tool. And here's what they are able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That sets a different environment, uh, you know? And if I'm like, I can almost as a senior digital marketing person on our team be used as a, case study or, you know, like a spokesperson for, for our platform mm. in a way, like I can be the, the, the loudest brand advocate. So if you bring that, that's like a, that's, that's a very powerful way of having almost like a, like a tool, giving an extra tool to sales team to succeed, whatever it takes to, you know, get a meeting with that one talk or close the deal uh, so I think if you have a strong marketing team that, that adds to the the tools that marketing uh, that sales team can use to be very successful. Mm-hmm. I have I have kind of one final question. It's it's more of a mm-hmm. it's more existential. It's it's more broad, I guess. But I, I ask this to a lot of people because I'm really curious for a marketer that's kind of at the beginning of their career, trying to figure mm-hmm. things out whether they're an SEO or PPC or whatever, right now they probably have a specialty. But if you were to mentor somebody like that, just starting out, they don't really know exactly 
where they want to go, but they ha- they're ambitious. Like, what what advice would you give them based off of what you've seen work in your career so far? Great that you asked that because I get basically text messages and LinkedIn messages from people seeking advice and like, thank you so much. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're welcome. You know, um, there are people who help me and I'm kind of paying back in a way to, to help other you know, people who are starting out um, make right career decisions and be successful at their jobs. So I would say um, to really be successful in, in, in marketing first, in my case, I would recommend starting in an agency and getting your fingers, you know, dirty in all kinds of spheres, mm-hmm. learning a little bit of field and learning a little bit of uh, digital, learning a little bit of content, learning a little bit of product marketing, you know, and just understanding what each one of those entails. In my case, it worked out really well because, um, I mean, I didn't know the digital is my way or the global is my way. Right. I knew I speak multiple languages. I have a global understanding of how you know marketing should be operated in a global scenario. But it was just like a work in progress. So to encourage all the people or all marketers starting out, I would say, be patient, uh, try your best, don't give up, continuously. I mean, learn and develop. Go to those ten the webinars and devote some time to learn every week something new. Uh, find a mentor if you can. Uh, it helps tremendously. And the the last final, I guess, piece of advice I would say would be that career in marketing is not like a straight shot A to B. And don't be like scared to explore, you know, go from A.1 and A.2, A.3, <laughs> you know, as you explore what you like and don't like and then shape your your own career. That's essentially something I did and, and ended up loving or picking uh, digital and, and global in my case. That's great advice. I I mean, I'm certainly still pretty young into my career, and uh, it's, it's always helpful to, like like you mentioned, seeking out mentoring, uh, being patient. Those are huge. And then, obviously, I, I started kind of in the agency side as well, and I can attest to the fact yeah. that when you're in a fast-moving environment, you either kind of yes. fall by the wayside or you adapt and you grow faster than you could if you were in-house. Yes. So it's a it's a great place to be. I, I did lie to you. I have one more question that I thought of. <laughs> that's, that's okay. <laughs> no worries. I'm all yours. Yeah. So the, there may not be a great answer to this question. It may be a dumb question. Just let me know if it's a dumb question. I'm curious to, <laughs> I'm curious to know if you see any parallels between playing college volleyball and a career in marketing. How are they similar? Uh, you beat me to this, Blake. Now I have to reveal that I'm working on something, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I actually, I have in my my drafts, um, you know, LinkedIn article that I wrote probably six months ago, mm. to be honest. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it talks about or it should be talking about <laughs> since it's not live. <laughs> wow, I, I really um, read you your know, mind there. I can't believe I did that. Uh, it's like how if somebody is willing to build a marketing team that you should really look for athletes (laughs) (laughs) and then I elaborate why so to kind of give little nuggets of 
of, I don't know, information mm-hmm. that I prep on sharing. I guess I would say you know, athletes tend to be very driven, very data-oriented, which in digital marketing world is, is crucial. You know, we rely on uh, statistics. And like I told you earlier, right, mm-hmm. as a volleyball player, yes, BYU game, <laughs> uh, my hitting was 0.600, yep. you know. <laughs> and then if you have that for like conversion rates, you know, athletes tend to understand numbers really well and are all about optimizing and performance. How can I get that better? Uh, so there is that mentality, positive mentality, uh, high energy, which is always, you know, very important mm-hmm. if you want to be successful, at least in marketing, because moving in a fast speed, so you have no time to, to waste. And then, yeah, just uh, learning, I guess learning uh, would be a big one and having, um, um, let me, how do I say this right now? Almost like I call it athletic mindset, right? Where you are very coachable and quick to adapt. Mm-hmm. So athletes tend to have that. And uh, I had the privilege of working with some of the D1 athletes in my career. And they were some of the strongest marketing teams that I was a part of. Uh, Meltwater is no exception. Um, I had my own marketing actually played handball. In my previous role, my senior director was um, at, uh, I believe, Washington on the tennis team, D1 tennis mm-hmm. team. I mean, it's just, it's in, it's incredible. We move fast and um it's a great environment for, for athletes to, to thrive. I love I did not expect that this podcast was going to be so uh, athlete-driven, but <laughs> I, lo- I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's, <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's awesome. So that, that's all the questions I have for you. But I do want to, before I let you go, give you a chance to talk about what else you're working on right now and then also where, where yeah. people can find you to follow you. Yeah, like I said, I have in my plans, <laughs> working on it to be very active on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn would be definitely one platform that I'm currently very involved in. And I, I really like it for all kinds of reasons. So that would be one. And uh, what I'm currently working on, uh, you know, well, we are 2019. I'm putting strategy for 2020. Uh, excited about uh, some enterprise marketing and uh, ABM. Mm-hmm. Uh, always looking for new ways how to, I guess, improve on analytics, tracking and attribution, which, you know, in digital world is essential. So that's where my head is at. What about yours? <laughs> well, no one's ever asked me that before. No one asked me about myself. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let them, the, the, the audience can just find me randomly. We'll, we'll see if they can find me. I've got no call to action right now. <laughs> okay okay well fair fair fair. (laughs) i really appreciate you coming on again this is tamara kittich yadavoy uh that was perfect pronunciation i'm sure she is again the senior digital marketing manager at meltwater follower on linkedin find her elsewhere i'm sure she's probably on twitter and instagram and things you probably follow her there too and then yes and then check out meltwater And this this was fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on. Learned a lot. And hopefully we can have you back on another time. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Blake. I really appreciate it. And that's it for today's episode. Again, if you're a first-time listener or you've been at it since the beginning, please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Wherever you get your podcasts, we've got you covered anywhere you want. 